You have the American dream. You run your own business. But running a business turns out to be more than you thought. It's a pain in the neck. You're not getting where you want to go. You're not getting what you want to get. And you're working 97 hours a week. We're here to help you fix that. This is the Small Business Celebration Podcast. I am your host, Michael Roberts, and on this podcast, you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Hi, I'm Laura Hill. I'm the owner of Pinnacle Recruitment Services in Bakersfield, and I listen to the Small Business Celebration Podcast because it gives me insights into many local businesses in Kern County, and the small business owners provide great information. Before we begin our interview with this week's successful small business visioneer, I want to take a moment and thank you, the listener, for listening to the Small Business Celebration podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you're about to hear an example of why after several thousand downloads in just over a year, small business owners, CEOs, CFOs, partners, and general managers download the Small Business Celebration podcast in record numbers on a weekly basis. We want to take a moment and thank the tremendous content that our visioneer guests continue to provide this podcast, our sponsors, and you, Visioner Nation, who have subscribed to this podcast, internalized our guests' valuable insight, and because of it, are growing a strong and profitable business. And we thank you. Our guest today is Judith Weigel, the owner of Divorce Resource Incorporated. Welcome to the podcast. I am so happy to be here. I love your podcast. Well, thank you. Tell our listeners who don't know you who you are and what it is that your business does. Divorce Resource Incorporated does two things. I am what is called a legal document preparation company, which means I'm a paralegal on steroids. (laughs) I file for what we call amicable divorces. Amicable Mm. does not mean everybody's hunky-dory and on the same page with decisions. It means you are committed not to go to court and to work out your settlement terms outside of a trial. The other thing I do is mediation. Mediation doesn't get you divorced, although I love when people call and say, I want to be divorced by a mediator. A mediator helps you work out your settlement terms. Mm. And as a neutral third party, getting you to think through the logistics of what you're ready to agree to, because when you're an emotional, you don't think through the logistics. You just want to get a decision made, and then you're off and running to something else because it's painful and you want to get rid of it. It's my job as a mediator to make sure everybody's thinking through all of their decisions so that once the divorce is final, you don't have remorse. One of the reasons why I wanted to invite you onto the podcast is some of the greatest recordings or some of the greatest information that I receive from guests are offline or when the recorder is turned off. And one of those requests have come in about the topic of divorce, because it is one of those areas where, regretfully, in the small business world, people do get divorced. And the question comes down to, okay... I'm getting a divorce from my spouse. I've got this successful business that's growing and doing a lot of great things. How do I go about doing this in such a way that doesn't wreck and destroy everything that I or we have built together? And so that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about your business as a mediator is what is your approach in working with business owners and working with people so they can have the right approach to their personal life, their children, and their business? Communication skills. Mm. The first thing I say is, A, don't blame yourself. So we have the inner dialogue with ourselves on a daily basis. Mm. And nobody knows what that inner dialogue is. And a lot of times that inner dialogue is very destructive. 
when we go about trying to make decisions about the experience we're going through now, which may be divorce, we may not do it in the best way possible because we're still with our inner struggle. Mm. Then it's the way we communicate with our soon-to-be ex-spouse. If the communication was good generally, more than likely you wouldn't be getting divorced. If the communication brought you to an understanding in a very respectful way that we're just not suited to be married, you can communicate in a way that's so helpful to the divorce proceedings Mm -hmm. that it'll be an awakening. Divorce then becomes a new beginning, a new awakening. And if you have children as a product of the divorce, you will harm them in the least. But it's all about communication. That's how we get through experiences better or worse. And I feel grateful that people actually find me to be a calming influence. So when I take calls on the phone, I give free, I say 20-minute consultations on the website. It goes into an hour sometimes. I don't look (laughs) at the clock. I just want to give them the time they need to calm down. Mm. I will tell you, Michael, after each and every conversation, I hear that constantly. I can't appreciate more, Judy. I appreciate so much that you have calmed me down. Mm. Somebody needs to help people do that. All of my colleagues and contemporaries who I adore, the lawyers, the therapists, the other mediators, they do their business as well, but few of them focus on calming the couple down. Mm. For business owners who are concerned about the ramifications to their business, why would you want to go into mediation versus going into court? Court is destructive at its worst. It's helpful at its best. So here's how I talk to people. Mm -hmm. You can control the decision-making like you control the decision-making in your businesses. If you're a business owner, you can control the decision-making for the settlement if you are committed to work through the emotion and all of the issues surrounding the settlement with your soon-to-be ex-spouse on your own. You have a unique marriage. You have a unique relationship. You should have a unique settlement. Your settlement should not match anybody else's settlement because you don't know what their relationship was like. The settlement we go into is a reflection of the marriage that we had. So controlling the outcome is what mediation is right for. And for business owners, we like controlling the outcome as much as we can in our daily lives. But here's how I talk about court. Court is there to help you. Do not use court as a weapon. That makes it super destructive. If you look at court as we tried our best, we tried mediation, then we hired lawyers. Our lawyers couldn't even get the settlement right. We absolutely now need to go to a judge. Do it because you need help in decision making. Does this mediation process also help in the initial process or the initial healing process? of going through a divorce? This is such an interesting question because people tend to use mediation as therapy. Mm. And there are similarities. Like I hold people's emotions in my hands when they come into the mediation room because they're raw, they're hurting. And I understand this because I've been through my own divorce, Mm. which was the easiest divorce known to mankind. No children. (laughs) We made the same amount of money, no assets to divide. And it was the saddest year of my life. Mm. I actually think that has helped me 
understand people when they walk in the office. But people use mediation as therapy. You need a therapist. You need to talk to somebody strictly about your emotions. What I have learned over the seven and a half years of specifically divorce mediation is how to harness the length of time people are using to express their emotion as opposed to making decisions. Mm. Mediation is about making decisions. I understand that the reason for the divorce is the emotional backdrop to making those decisions. So when I see somebody making a decision or offering a deal point that kind of doesn't make sense and I know it's not going to work out logistically, I have to go back to somehow I need a little bit of information about what happened in the marriage. And when that happens, I tend to separate people and put them in different rooms so we can have one-on-one confidential conversations. Just understanding that backdrop allows me to know the questions to ask, and how to move the decision-making forward. If you're the business leader and you realize your marriage isn't going well and that you need to get a divorce, one of the biggest fears that a lot of business leaders and business owners have is they're going to lose everything when they get a divorce. How does going through mediation help mitigate that or alleviate that fear of losing everything? Mediation doesn't, Mm -hmm. but the professionals that you're talking to will. So I get this a lot, Michael, when people call me, and this is a small business state. We have small businesses in Southern California a lot, and I have to deal with asset division of that business. But this is one of the greatest fears. The two greatest fears are my kids are going to be taken away from me and I'll never see them again. And the other greatest fear is because it's either told to you by the other spouse, I'm going to take you for everything. Or we hear that from everybody. Every state is different in terms of how they deal with asset and debt division. California is a community property state. So the first thing everybody should do is go on Google before you (laughs) file for divorce and put your state in the Google search bar and ask, is this a community property state or ask a different way, how are assets and debts divided in and name your state? It will then come up how that division is. Nobody can take you for everything. That is not what divorce is. Divorce is a dividing of assets and debts, an equal division of assets and debts. So when anybody says, I'm going to take you for everything, push that idea out of your head. It will never happen. If people want to learn more about your business, your services, and equally importantly, your podcast, how do they get in touch with you? Well, I'm all over the internet. So (laughs) divorceresourceinc.com is my website. I'm on LinkedIn. My podcast is called Constructive Uncoupling. It's found on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher. A Google search will produce that. And they can call me at 310-441-7555, or my email address, Judy, J-U-D-Y, at DivorceResourceInc.com. Hey, does COVID-19 have you feeling unnerved, isolated, and alone? It doesn't have to be that way. This is the time to spend with your family and friends. 
but make it nice. Geronco Party Rentals has the answer. It's the I Ain't Scared to Party special going on right now. Book and pay in full for your event by March 31st, and I'm going to give you 20% off on your entire order. Hey, the best part is, it doesn't have to be in the next two weeks for the party. It could be any time in 2020. Just come in and pay the order by March 31st. Call Geronco Party Rentals at 661-325-0855 or visit us at joroncorentals.com. That's J-O-R-O-N-C-O rentals.com. Or again, give us a call at 325-0855. We're here with Judy Weigel, who is the owner of Divorce Resource Incorporated, and we're talking about small business ownership and divorce. You didn't initially start this business with the intention of getting into divorces. You started off in the circus? That was the most (laughs) fabulous job of my entire life. I am so happy that I had that. That job, by the way, started my entire career in live entertainment. Mm. When I was in college, I thought I'm a classically trained flutist. I performed everywhere when I was in high school and middle school. And we all thought that's, of course, the field I was going to go into. So I went in as a music education major, didn't like the education component, went into the conservatory, which is the performance part of it. And you soon realize, oh, there are way too many people that are better than I am. This isn't going to work. I think the telephone is my instrument of choice in business. My dad sat down with me as I was majoring in six different things. After the two music careers, philosophy, journalism, communication, education, English literature, everything that I felt comfortable in. He sat me down one year and he said, since I am paying for your tuition, I was paying for room and board. He was paying for tuition. What do you think you're going to do? I didn't know. Mm. And this is where your gut is your greatest voice. I just stopped for a second and I said, dad, I don't know exactly what the job is but this is what I want to do. I want to work with as many cultures of people humanly possible in the world. And I want to work in as many cities in the world possible too. That was in the middle of my college career. My dad unfortunately passed away the year after I graduated, Mm. 1976. I graduated in 75. In 1980, I was living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where I grew up. This is when newspapers actually had fabulous jobs available. There was an ad that said, Circus Circus, see the country. And every single thing I majored in was what they were looking for as a skill set. Wow. I went to the interview and I said, when do you hire me? This is my job. It started a six-year love fest I adored these people, not only the performers, the roustabouts. I learned from the roustabouts. (laughs) And what's a roustabout? A roustabout is somebody who does all the manual labor. Mm. And it is true. They come from disenfranchised families and from jail. Mm. Like pit bulls and parolees. Tia Torres hires the people that nobody else will hire. The circus hired the people that nobody else would hire. I learned from these people more than anything. I would see them reading books and I would sit down and talk to them who thought they would be reading books. These people were curious human beings like everybody else. They just had a tough start. Hmm. If you give people who have a tough start a leg up, 
many of them will flourish in front of you. The circus was the greatest thing ever. I met my husband on this, my former husband on the circus. He's still adorable and wonderful in front of the hot dog stand, Michael, on the midway, my (laughs) first day on the circus. That's how we met. Everything else I did, the Chicago Lyric Opera, the Sarasota Opera, coming out here, starting to work with my brother and his company, West Coast Music, then producing live entertainment for private events like weddings, West Side Weddings are phenomenally productive, financially productive. Then he grew to be international with other types of events. I started my own company because I am entrepreneurial and I wanted to do it a different way. So I specialized in, remember my goal for the circus, working with as many cultures as humanly possible. I started doing all international music, Mm. no American music. Hmm. Within a week, I was hired by Oh my God, I can't remember the man's name. He was one of the most influential artist managers of all, (laughs) Sandy Gallen. Ah. Sandy Gallen hired me within a week of opening my business for Nueva Flamenco Music. I found myself in, he's deceased now. I found myself at his home in Truesdale Estates with every one of the celebrities that he worked with from Dolly Parton to Roseanne Barr to Shirley MacLaine and I was in celebrity heaven. I must tell you, I love celebrities. I am not apologetic about this because they represent people who work with fear. Mm. In order to be a celebrity, you deal with fear on a daily basis and you deal with rejection on a daily basis, just like business owners do, right? That's why I love celebrities. But when I got into this business seven and a half years ago, it was baptism by fire I knew nothing about the family law business, but life presented the opportunity that I knew I had to take. I was enjoying my life in events, music for events, but I have to climb mountains. And I'm a seven-year gal. Every seven years, whether I make it happen or it presents itself to me, something major comes into my life, and I'm old enough now to know recognize it, pick up on it. And even if you think it's a weird fit, go for it because it's probably not or it wouldn't have been presented to you. So when I left Los Angeles at the end of 2001, I bought a home in Palm Springs. I had a nightclub that hired me as a talent buyer in Palm Springs and real estate was a lot less expensive. And what does a talent buyer do? They buy talent. That's exactly what they do. They're supposed to know everybody's price point. They're supposed to know the best fit for a musical act for your particular event or your nightclub. And so this gentleman had a lot of money to spend and he wanted to spend it on high quality entertainment niched for a 1920s style supper club in Palm Springs. It was gorgeous. I saw how much easier it was to buy property in Palm Springs than Los Angeles. As we all know, it's a ridiculous market. Mm -hmm. So I moved out there and started working there. I was confronted by two people. Well, several things happened. And this launched me back to L.A. in the mediation business and then into family law. I decided in 2005 to write a book. I was with Toastmasters at the time, Uh by the way. Okay. Your former launch pad for your podcast. Uh Uh-huh. I said, you know, I just want to speak for a living. I just want to talk. 
okay, so to talk, you need a credential. You need a book. Okay, so I wrote a book. It's on Amazon. And what's the name of the book? My Office is a Three-Ring Circus. (laughs) Subtitle, Must I Take Orders from Clowns? (laughs) And it's a business advice book. It's a business advice book on how to behave and how to communicate in business. And I used many experiences from the circus when I was out there around the country promoting the show, experiences that I had gotten into and how I behaved and communicated my way out of them. So I wrote the book. I like the book. It got great Amazon reviews. And anybody who wants to buy it, you still can. (laughs) Um, Then I started marketing it. But I realized that I had to come back to Los Angeles to really make money. The desert is a tourist and a retirement community, and I was neither a tourist nor ready to retire. (laughs) So I came back to Los Angeles. I was still in the events business, but right before I came to Los Angeles, here's the pivotal point. And everybody who wants to be in business, you have to watch for the pivotal points. Two different female attorneys who did not even know each other said to me, Judy, you have a really interesting personality for mediation and the mediation environment needs more women. Why don't you consider it? I blew them off. I had no idea what mediation was and I loved entertainment. Mm. So that meant nothing to me. In the transition back to Los Angeles, because it took several months for me to close my office in the desert, wind down the clients that I had, and reestablish myself in Los Angeles, I did what every woman does. I went to the nail salon. And at the nail salon, we have some of our most connective conversations with women we don't even know. (laughs) And this woman that I didn't even know, Deanie Kramer, who owned this company called Divorce Resource Incorporated, started talking to me and she said, third time a charm now, Michael. You have an interesting personality for mediation. You should consider it. And I said, okay, what is mediation? You are the third person (laughs) within a year who has said this to me. I think the universe is trying to tell me something. She explained it. I said, look, I don't want to spend money on college. I don't want to get another degree. I have life experience. Where can I get the best education for the least amount of money? And she sent me down to the Los Angeles City Attorney's Office that had the best program called the Dispute Resolution Program. Once you went through that program, you could mediate anything, I swear. Hmm. So Avis Ridley Thomas, who is a well-known figure in Los Angeles as the queen of dispute resolution, started this program grant-funded free to the residents of Los Angeles County, still to this day, although she's not there anymore. Mark Ridley Thomas is her husband, who is a councilman. Mm -hmm. And then her son also became a state legislature. Phenomenal family. With Avis's program, you go through what's called the 40-hour basic training. That's a normal training in mediation, 40-hour basic training, which just gets your feet wet. I Mm. mean, really. But in order to get a certificate from her, you had to do 160 hours of coming to the office on the phone, fielding incoming calls from people who wanted mediation in a variety of areas, landlord, tenant, business, neighbor, neighbor, some issues of marriage, attorney-client fee disputes. It was a whole range of things. You had to take the incoming calls, process the information, get the name and number of who that person wanted to mediate with, 
and call them, introduce yourself, and now you're selling the idea of mediation. A, you need to tell these people there's a dispute on the horizon. So-and-so just called the program. If you didn't already know, you had a dispute. Some people did, some people didn't. It's a free service. Would you like to engage in mediation through this office? I went through a fast-tracked it. I did four hours a day, five days a week. Because I owned my own entertainment company, I could then arrange my own hours. I wanted to do this as soon as possible. It was so interesting to me. It was my new circus. It truly was an emotional juggling match for the people on the phone. But something else I will share with your audience, that is... Once I listened to these disputes, and I really listened in a non-judgmental way, you must work at being non-judgmental, by the way. Mm. We have prejudices we don't even know about that come out as a mediator. You have to check yourself on this. I said to myself after the very first day on the phone, with what I've heard coming from these people who are calling, I'm in shock that the world works as well as it does. And it actually gave me hope. It was a positive response, not a negative response, because when you really listen to how people deal with arguments, how people deal with things that they don't like or agree with, you know that mediators are really needed. I'd like there to be a mediator on every political talk show. Mm. That's where I think mediators are necessary right now because we're in a tough situation. I don't care what side of the fence you're on. We're in a tough situation here. I would like to just change the tone of conversation and dialogue a lot outside of divorce. But when I came back to Los Angeles, because Deanie Kramer was the third person who had said you should go into mediation, I knew that she had a suite because I went to visit her and she had an open office in that suite. And I don't like working from home. I, I have to have human beings around me when I go to work. Right. So I got an office in her suite and I watched the divorce business go on, which I found really interesting. That was December of 2010. By August of 2012, Deanie had to get a knee replacement. My mother had had a double knee replacement, and I wasn't seeing her plan for her time off. So I said to her in August, well, who's going to take over when you leave the middle of September? Well, who has to take over? I'll be back in a week. I said, Deanie, didn't they talk to you about the convalescence mm -hmm. period right. with knee surgery? You're talking nine months. You literally can't sit at your desk all day or your knee will freeze up and it will be detrimental to you. Fortunately, she had a secretary, an assistant who was brilliant at sending out the forms, not mediating, but Talia, who I adore to this day, and I inherited her as my assistant when I bought the company from Deanie, was the best ever. I love Talia more than I can tell you. So she was the whiz at sending out forms, which was the cash cow of the business, filing. Right. Deanie didn't do a lot of mediation, funny enough. I do a lot more mediation than Deanie, but Deanie didn't like controversy. Uh. Whenever it got heated, she shut it down. Deanie said, okay, tell me what you think is going to happen. And I said, well, you're going to be away for about nine months. Let's work out a situation where you can still make money. I'll make a little money. Talia will still get paid and the business will go on until you come back. I did a crash course in some of the most important things like running the Disso Master. 
I just had to learn on a day-to-day basis, and right. I had to read. I joined the Bar Association, a therapist group, a mediation group, and I just started learning on the spot. Dini never came back. Her health was bad. She never came back, and I bought the company the next year. There's a thread through all of this, which is you found something that you had passion about, and then you delved into it, and you learned everything you could about it, and more importantly, applied it. Yes. I didn't visualize going into the divorce business, but I knew enough the third time mediation was brought up to me that I needed to follow up on it. It was my seven-year mark, and I know I'm a seven-year person. I said that earlier. When I was doing the training at the dispute resolution program, I fast-tracked it because I realized that if you just came in and out once a week, you could never advance. I had the good fortune of being able to rearrange my schedule to suit that, and I did. Education is king. You have to educate yourself so that you can be of value to your customers. And then not only the challenge, but the motivation for me, I think, in taking over Dini's business was I knew nothing about it. Ah. It was interesting because it was one of the most important times in human beings' lives. And that interested me, to be helpful to human beings when they really needed help. I knew Michael from a child. People divulged things to me. As a kid, my friends would tell me things that they don't normally talk about. And I always wondered why big secrets were always told to me. And I realized they had confidence in my ability to remain confidential. I cherished when people shared things with me because that was a big deal. That's hard to share something integral, something you're worried about. And if you can find somebody that you can share with that won't judge you and that won't divulge, you have gold in your hands. So I needed to be responsible to that position that I think the universe gave me. Then I was just very interested in all the complexities of family law, tons of complexities. It is the hardest form of law you can be in, harder than personal injury. I thought personal injury was the worst because you can change a person's life, but there's a big payday. In personal injury, you do get to make millions of dollars. In divorce, it changes the fabric of your life forever, and millions of dollars are typically not on the table. Hello, visioneers. How would you like free exposure for you and your company to go through the roof? Like, comment, and share at least 10 small business celebration posts this month on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Visioner Heidi Forsyth of Bakersfield College did just that on a recent post of ours with John Paul Lake. Heidi asked John Paul an insightful question on our post of him. He answered, and the number of views on that post went through the roof. Now, even more people know about Heidi because of her one intelligent question. Be a visioneer like Heidi. Like, comment, and share a small business celebration post on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook today. We're here with Judith Weigel, the owner of Divorce Resource Incorporated. And you've gone through and had a very interesting and exciting experience in business development and growth, starting with the circus. But none of this was easy. In order to have this kind of success that you've had, something happened along the way that changed the way that you do business today. What was that and how did you come through it? 
Well, the most recent example that gave me my proudest moment, and I've had a lot of difficult situations throughout because everybody does. Mm -hmm. That's normal. That's part of life. It's part of doing business. But the most recent one was the absolute most challenging. And it came in February of 2019, February of last year. Mm -hmm. I unfortunately got a bad Yelp review that had me go from an exceptionally large January to an almost non-existent February. Before we get into that a little bit, why is a Yelp review so crucial and important to your business? In the personal service area of businesses Mm -hmm. and filing for the divorce and mediation is a personal service. Mm. People need to explain what their experience was like. Mm. Unfortunately, many, many people who work in therapy or law or anything that deals with the emotions of people, Mm -hmm. they don't put Yelp pages up because when people are in a very tough emotional space, You really don't know how they're going to react. And my job is like walking on an emotional landmine every day. Mm. So I accept that job. Mm -hmm. I accept that aspect of it. I just have to be super mindful of every word that comes out of my mouth. You use Yelp to attract new business into your business, correct? Yes. And it has been until recently when other competition came up that Yelp was the name of the game. Mm. You just It started with restaurant reviews and then it goes to any kind of business now. Mm-hmm. And I think Yelp is good, though. I really do. It's one of many ways of looking at how people review and explain their experiences with businesses. You use Yelp to augment the word of mouth business and advertising that your business currently has, you use it to bring in the new business in addition to word of mouth and other past clients and attorneys that have already used your services in the past, correct? Correct. We do. Okay. Google has their own review page Mm. now. You don't join it. You're just there. Mm. I have really good reviews on Google. So by and large, I have really good reviews that I'm proud of. Except for... Except for this one. And it just happened to be... A review that at that point in time took business away in February of last year. How dramatic was that? It it was so dramatic that I let my assistant go by mid-February. It was that dramatic. For your business, it was you and an assistant. And an assistant. I don't need many more people. Right. That's quite an impact. It's quite an impact, but I couldn't let it negatively impact me for very long. Mm. My philosophy in business is you're going to run into tough situations. Mm. The universe gives things to us that we can take and for our personal growth. Mm. So I said, okay, I'm going to trust that the universe did this for a good reason. What is that reason? After two weeks of not sleeping, of course, I did lose a few pounds. (laughs) What woman doesn't want to lose a few pounds? So I used that for my greater good. All right, went down a size, had money. You know, I could survive. I wasn't that worried, but you don't spend money when you're not making money. So people do change the number of personnel they have sometimes if their business is going through a change. A very good example is technology has changed a lot of people's businesses. Right. And so you just simply have to change the number of employees with the intention that they will come back again. Right. I said to myself, I'm going to use this time because I now had a little more time than I was used to. I'm going to use this time to do something I've been wanting to do for so long that's a passion and an interest 
and that is start a podcast because you need time. Right. So the second half of February, I said March 1st is going to be my first episode, and it was. Wow. I have uploaded one episode a week every single week since then. I have subscribers. I have listeners. And I've had the time of my life. And I thank the woman who wrote that review because she allowed me to have the space to do something that I can contribute to people's lives heavily Mm -hmm. and that I really enjoy doing. Business has come back. I'm hiring again. I'm a very happy person. But you can't let something negative ruin you. You have to look at the silver lining. Mm -hmm. How can I use this for my greater good? So it can be in business. It can be in your personal life. But it's a really good lesson to learn. And the universe does provide that for us, Michael. One of the other things that you've also done for your podcast and your project is you've gone out and actively pursued new information more than what you can find on the internet yourselves, more than what you can read on blogs. You actually went to a convention. What was the convention and why did you go? The podcast convention you're referring to? Correct. Oh, you have to know your industry. Mm. You have to know how to make your product or your service perfect. You need to know how to grow. You need to meet other people in your industry. And I learned a lot from this convention. First of all, podcasting is taking over broadcasting. Mm. And the money in podcasting is amazing. As you may know, Michael, you're exceptional at this. I've learned from you. (laughs) I've I've literally learned from you. I am so happy that I had the opportunity to get to know you. How did we get to know each other? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. That's correct. When you went to that convention, you weren't necessarily sure what you were going to learn and what you were going to find. And you mentioned that making connections with other people in the industry is key. And it's not just for podcasting. This also goes into any other industry that any other professional is involved with. What did you specifically, from a professional standpoint, glean from this convention that you continued to use or plan to implement with your new venture in podcasting? How do you social media and how important it is that social media supports the podcasting environment and community? I went to a ton of classes on social media and I know basics, but I'm not the best at it. Mm -hmm. So I am actually getting trained in Instagram. I have close to 15,000 followers on LinkedIn. So I'm pretty good there. You being one of the best ones (laughs) and Yelp is still good. That's fine. But monetizing the podcast. So I wanted to make this another piece of revenue for my business, and I went to an equal number of monetizing classes. Everybody had something a little different to add, so Mm -hmm. I got to see that. I got to meet very famous podcasters, and they told their stories about how they monetized. This is one of the most creative industries I've ever been in. I'm so surprised at what people do to create programs to consistently bring excellent information to people and to make it a career that they can live on. You also learn something that I think is very key to the business professional listening, Vision Your Nation, is you also went and discovered how much more there is to social media than you ever imagined before. Why was that revelation so 
key and important to not just the podcast, but also to Divorce Resource. Why is social media so important to the growth of both your businesses? It's how people learn about services and products. Mm. That's the way people learn. It's no longer looking at television and looking at ads, reading newspapers and magazines and seeing ads. Social media is the form of communication that allows you to know what products and services and people make up the world, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't like social media that much because I knew Twitter. People are mean on Twitter. Right. I don't like mean. Right. I'm a mediator. Right. So I, I, I naturally have an aversion to mean. That's really all I knew. And of course, Yelp. I inherited Yelp when I bought the business and it was fine and it still is now. But social media can really connect people if done well. So I learned about Instagram and how Instagram is really a movie of your life. Right. And you get to craft that statement and that movie. And I saw how social media can be the voice and the image that can counteract Anybody saying anything harsh or critical about you, right. there's no voice on Yelp. There's no voice on, I don't know, my city. There are other review sites. I just don't right. know them all. Right. You don't have a voice. Right. You're kind of a lame duck just allowing people to comment on you. But the podcast and then social media allowed me to say, well, wait a minute. I'm a really nice person. I actually enjoy what I do. It thrills me till no end when I can contribute positively to somebody's life. And you're talking about the divorce business. People are destroyed when they walk into my office. If I can get them to smile by the time they leave, if I can get them to calm down just on the phone when they call me. So many of the people that I dealt with before the podcast, they're the ones that made me think I could do a podcast. And what they said to me was, just talking to you on the phone makes me feel good. You've calmed me down. And I didn't realize that until I heard it enough times. And I said, well, if you're telling me I have an asset that would contribute to a lot of people in pain, let me use that asset. And all of a sudden I found, oh my God, I love this medium. <laughs> For Visioneer Nation, what is one thing that they could do today to grow a strong and profitable business? First of all, decide whether you like the business that you're in. Mm, why is that? Because if you don't like it, nothing's going to matter. You'll never be the creative person you need to be. You'll never be able to overcome the hurdles you need to overcome. And you won't make as much money as you can. But what if you have the argument that I may not enjoy the business that I'm in, but I'm really good at it and I make a lot of money doing it. What's wrong with that? Well, actually, I have heard people say that, but their love of making money supersedes everything then. Mm. So if that's where your real joy is and you're not hurting people, if you're providing a good product and service and you enjoy the reward at the end of it, perfect. But Michael, people get physically sick. When they go to work each day and right. their heart doesn't sing while they're working. Right. That's not so much fun, regardless, in my opinion, of the money that you're making. So how can people be the best that they are? Well, first of all, make sure you really like the business that you're in. 
you have to work 12 hours a day, 10 to 12. I don't think you can work less if you're really managing a successful business because you'll have a lot of business. Right. Be ready to assess yourself. Be ready to look at yourself and say, maybe I should change that. Maybe if I did this differently, I could turn this around. So it's always experimenting. You can't really sit on your laurels. The world changes, your competitors force you to change, and you always have to be ready to change. Judith, this has been a pleasure. Thank you very much for being on the Small Business Celebration podcast. Best of luck to you and your podcast. Thank you, Michael. This has been a pleasure getting to know you. And best of luck on your podcast, which is already successful. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. And thank everybody for being listeners to Michael's podcast. Well, thank you very much. Well, Judith, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you again. Imagine having fun learning comprehensive firearms training indoors on Kern County's largest interactive firearms virtual simulator. Triple Threat Solutions offers affordable, comprehensive firearms training that is the same caliber for you and your employees as they train law enforcement officers. Call Roosevelt Scott with Triple Threat Solutions today at 661-374-1180 and sign up for a private session in his state-of-the-art laser virtual shooting range for only $45. For one hour, you and three of your employees can use this state-of-the-art indoor air-conditioned laser virtual shooting range for only $45. Call Triple Threat Solutions today at 661-374-1180 or go to triplethreatsolutions.net. That's Triple Threat Solutions at 661-374-1180 or go to triplethreatsolutions.net. Who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business leader who is a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world, not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Join the Visioneer Tribe at Small Business Celebration on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business. <laughs>